Roman Catholics, countrymen. Payne County ears. Payne County. Let me your ears. So glad you're here. So glad you're here. Welcome to Pastors of Pain. Pain, pain, pain. Um, Father Brian O'Brien here with Father Kerry Wakulich, pastor of St. John's Catholic Student Center, here with our seminarian Kyle Dowd. Well, he's back. Kyle, oh, Kyle is back. Um, Kyle is a seminarian of the Diocese of Tulsa. He's with us all year long. Yeah. And uh, is living it up. Living it up. Um, we are so glad you're with us. Um, we're we're uh, in honor of the the three-year Eucharistic revival yes. called for by the U.S. bishops, including our very own local shepherd and successor of the apostles, Bishop David, what's his middle initial? Um, Andrew? A? a? Uh, we don't know. David S? No. Uh. Condorla. Anyway, <laughs> we... He's our bishop, and he's awesome. Um, he... Figure this out. Is so the Cowboy. bishops have said we want to, We're going to spend three years, really focusing as a local church on the Eucharist. And Father Kerry and I, as your local pastors, as uh, representatives of our local bishop, did you know that priests cannot do anything without their bishop's permission? Did you know this? Austin. He's from Austin. Austin. Oh my goodness. It his middle. His middle name is Austin. Yeah. Of course it is. Wow. That's great. Wouldn't that be great if your middle Austin. name was just whatever whatever diocese you were from? Or town? Or town. Wow. He's from College Station. Um, the Diocese of Austin. Yeah. Anyway, so back anyway, to the Eucharistic Okay, so um, yeah. Anyway, so we're what we're doing is we are walking you, our people, our dear sweet, and beloved sweet, 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 sweet people. Children. We are walking through the Holy Mass, step by step, step piece by, by step. piece. Uh, and so a couple weeks ago, we did a, a little episode on preparing for Mass. And then uh, we did an episode last week on the introductory rites. I, you know, I'm just going to say this. You got something I, to say? I you do. Got something to say? You remember how long it took us to get the Ten Commandments done? Yeah, I can't believe we're on the third episode of this <laughs> in a third week in a row because that means we're actually putting some effort into this. The Ten Commandments were like uh, the Ten like Commandments a, was like a filler, like oh, it was we like don't, a year and a half. Anything else to do? So this is a, we're a work in progress, you know. You're you're a work Your in progress. Mom's a work in progress. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> Why are father uh, and father fighting? Uh, is insulting father mother? Carrie, <laughs> father Carrie and I uh, frequently insult each other's mothers, just so you know. Uh, just so everybody's on the same page here. Okay. So, oh, no, now he's laughing. Oh, boy. Oh, dear. Okay, so today, uh, today I think it's very important that we move, that we keep moving. And today, I think we should talk about the liturgy of the word. Yes. Word to your mom. <laughs> All right. So uh, so the liturgy of the word comes at the very beginning. If you're like late for mass, you you could very well walk in, you know, in the middle of the liturgy of the word. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the liturgy of the word is, is actually probably longer than most people think. I learned recently from you two minutes ago <laughs> that it, it goes from the first reading all the way to the intercessions. Yes. And as soon as you sit down in the chair, bam, liturgy of the then word. Then the liturgy and of the Eucharist begins, which we'll get to yes. a little bit later. Okay, so let's talk about uh, 
so we're talking about a Sunday Mass. Uh-huh. How many readings? I think this is also something most people would get wrong. How many readings are there? Oh, first reading, Psalm. Second reading, Gospel. I think most people would say three. Because they don't include the psalm. the psalm. Because it's supposed to be sung. It's yeah. Because the psalm is like a, to a lot of people like a random song a in song the middle. Break. Yeah. It's a song break. Yep. Um, but it's not. It's the psalm is is the word of God. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So there are four. Okay. So is the first reading always from the Old Testament? No. 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 Tell us more. Well, the, the usually. Well, it, you, it typically is. Usually. Yeah. Not, yeah majority you know, of the time, 90% of the, the time. first reading is going to be Genesis, Exodus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wisdom, Sirach, yep. Isaiah, yep, yep. et cetera. So the, the liturgy of the word, it, it's a, I always tell people it's, it's a couple things. One, it's a, it's a replica of what they did in the synagogue. You know, in, in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus unrolls the, um, the prophet Isaiah, and he begins to read. That's the liturgy of the word in the synagogue, the gather, synagogia, the gathering together of the people. So we have the liturgy of the word already there in Judaism. And when, um, in the Acts of the Apostles, when the, the disciples are kicked out, they take, the, they take the liturgy of the word with them, the readings of the scriptures, and the liturgy of the word then sort of evolves over in history because the gospels are not yet written they're, they're not written until the, uh, someone say the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And so you don't have the, the gospels really put together and in books and being used till the early 100s. And then there's, you know, St. Paul's letters are all going around. So there was always the Old Testament readings. And then something like the Shepherd of Hermes was read after that, or Ooh. the letters of Clement to, uh, you know, whoever. There was all these other readings that were done there. And at some point in time, they harmonized them all together and made this series of readings. So it, it is usually the Old Testament reading uh, based, based, on the, based on the season. And then during the season of Easter, it's uh, Acts the Apostles. Or Revelation. Or Revelation. Nice. Yep. Okay, so this is what the general instruction of the Roman Missal says. In the readings, the table of God's word is spread before the faithful, and the treasures of the Bible are opened to them. That's from the Second Vatican Council. Oh, Hence, it is preferable that the arrangement of the biblical readings be maintained, for by them the unity of both testaments yes. and of salvation history is brought out. It is not lawful to replace the readings and responsorial psalm which contain the Word of God with other non-biblical texts. So don't be, you know, don't be trying any funny business. <laughs> okay, where even, do the readings come from? Even if it's from? a good Catholic reading. Where do the readings come from? They come from the Bible, okay, top yes, biblia of the books. Yes. Okay, but then why? So like this weekend is the 33rd Sunday yeah. in ordinary uh -huh. time. Where, why... Why? What? Why the readings? Why those? Or why? Where? Where does it come from? Does the priest wake up on Sunday morning and say, "I'm feeling inspired, and well, I choose the following readings"? Uh, they are. What, was it the third? Is this thirty third? Thirty third. Thirty third. Whoa! Really? Yeah, really. We're almost that, to the end of the liturgical year. That's well, long. Well, you, you don't wake up and just choose them. Thanks Ro be to God for that. Rome tells you what to Thank do. Yes, yes. Rome is so, like So the beautiful bossy. thing is wherever, if you go to, to a Catholic church 
Roman Catholic Church, anywhere in the world, the readings will be the same. Yep. I think that's great. In the Latin I don't know who church. thought of that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I don't know who thought of that, but that was a sweet move. Yeah. That was a sweet move. Yeah, even living in Korea, you know, all, all the time I was deployed or something like that, you're in a foreign country. It's great. You know, I have no idea what's going on, but you know that the you can grab a little bit of the readings because you've heard them at least once or twice. Yeah. You know the scriptures. Uh, your question was what? I lost. Where, where do they come from? Where do they come from? Who oh, decided? yeah. Uh, well, I I think that w- what I've heard about the new set of readings is that uh, in the in the Tridentine in the Tridentine liturgy before uh, before the council, there was the reading series and it was one reading the psalm, uh, which was kind of the procession to the gospel. And then the gospel was proclaimed and it was all, you know, it was done in Latin and then the gospel was read in English and then a homily. And so the readings that were compiled together uh, in the, in the, I guess in the 60s to build upon one another that typically you have like something of the Old Testament which connects to the the gospel and something of the New Testament like St. Paul's letters that somehow blends the two together and creates a a bridge between them and oh. and the psalm as well. And so they all are meant to harmonize with each other beautifully. Okay, right on. Yeah. yeah. So uh what's what happens at most parishes after the after the collect, which we talked about last week, everybody sits down. Why sitting for the readings, not standing? Because standing is more of an active posture. Ooh. Like you're you're standing we yeah. stand to pray. Like in the uh I think it's in the Greek liturgy that the deacon says like wisdom stand aright, like let us be attentive. So it's wisdom, like standing attend, to be attentive. Stand aright. Um yeah. But sitting is a receptive posture. That means like I'm sitting to hear and to contemplate, you know, like sitting at the feet of Jesus Ooh. as he's teaching, okay. sitting at the feet of Mother Church as she's proclaiming the scripture. Okay, so we sit down and then random person walks up to the microphone. Who at are, the, at who, the are ambo, those, who are those people? The reader goes to the ambo and reads the first reading. What's an while, ambo? It's in number 10 of the order of mass. What's an ambo? There's a, the ambo is the place where the readings are done. Ah, yes. Ambo. What does that mean? I don't actually There's know like lectern means. and ambo. Do you want me to look up the entomology or the etymology? Which one? Because uh, if, if I mix them up, someone will get... It'll bug somebody. Get bugs on <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the lector, the lector goes up to the ambo and proclaims the reading. Do yep. they say, okay, let's do liturgical pet peeves. When the lector goes up and says, the first reading <laughs> is a reading from... <laughs> no, just read what's on the page. Just read what's on the page. I, I, uh, It'll I l- say... A reading from the letter, you know, or the reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Then God said, okay, just don't, that's it. You don't the, have to. The greatest moment of a lector was then they got up and they said, a reading from St. Paul's letter to the Filipinos. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> or at a the, funeral one time, the guy, the guy, the no. guy got up and was Uh-oh. like, hey, thanks, every, thanks everyone for coming. Um, my brother, who's a good guy. A reading from the letter, and I was like, what, <laughs> what are we doing? Was that please, on the page? Please I, stop. I missed that. Please stop. That, did, that did not happen here. That did, people yeah. in Stillwater would never do that. Okay. Uh, so they go up and they read. So they have, we have the first reading, which usually most of the year comes from the Old Testament. 
Yes. But then during the Easter season, it comes from the New Testament. Uh-huh. Then at the end of the reading, the, the lector says something very important because that actually requires a response of the people. At the end of the reading, the lector says, the word of the Lord. Yes. And then the people respond. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Which I think is really cool, right? So whatever has just been read, we are acknowledging as the word of God that has now come to us. And for that, we say thanks. Mm -hmm. um, I think we could be a little clearer and louder at that. I think here, in, the, in the, at least at St. Francis Xavier, there's a little, that gets a little mumbly. Thanks be to God. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that's, we should be a little more. Maybe you thanks should, be to God. Yeah. Maybe you should mic a section of the church one yeah. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Choir loft. Okay, so then, then we have the responsorial psalm, which is uh, usually sung. Uh-huh. Uh, that comes from one of the 150 Psalms of the Old Testament. It's really cool. Yes. Anything on that? Anything you want to say about that? Uh, I so go ahead. Well, the oh. Psalms are uh, Jesus's prayer book. When he was, oh. uh, when God the Son came to Earth, uh, he chose to learn how to pray using those words, and then they became the prayer book of the church. So, like, uh, I was telling this to a group of parishioners uh, a couple weeks ago that. That everybody in the church, like from the Pope down to like Father Healy and Father O'Brien, like all of all of the priests and deacons um, and Franciscans and whatever else, all pray the Psalms, like every, every day. day, every day, every day. Um, and so when we pray the Psalms at Mass, we're entering into that prayer, like that, like saying those words shapes our minds and hearts to desire the things that the church wants and actually to ultimately to desire the things that Jesus has always wanted as the word of God. Ooh, I like that a mm -hmm. lot. So the psalm is really is really cool. Um, I like to give the psalm break. as a penance in confession. Ooh. Like as a when somebody comes, maybe you know, on a Saturday or something, I'll say for your, you know, for your penance, I'd like you to read the psalm for Mass tomorrow. Psalm, you know, 51 or so, whatever the psalm. Might be as a little preparation for yeah. mass, and and it gets you into the in, into reading the word. Yes. Uh, also, I, I like it that the psalms are, and they're not sung at daily mass, but they're always sung on Sunday. And the psalms were required to be sung because they're hymns or ideally poems. they are, they would be sung. Mm -hmm. So yep. when you think of Jesus's crucifixion, he would have sung that psalm. Oh, really? Yeah, you couldn't recite them; you had to sing them. The the Jesus sang from well, the cross. I, it, it, it would it would be Aloy Aloy Lama Sabachthani. My God, my God, Psalm why have you? Yeah, yeah, people. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A psalm of hope and faithfulness in God for a man who mm. is in a bad place. And so the psalms were always. I am forty six years old, and I am hearing. I was today years old <laughs> when I learned. That, that Jesus sang from the cross. What what what's your other option? No, I'm I'm not disagreeing. Yeah, he would have uh, all the psalms would have not been like read. He wouldn't have just said, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" He would have sung the psalm, just like you would in the synagogue, hmm. just like you would all the time. I'm having wow. a moment over here. Yeah, Jesus sang I, from the I, cross. I'm just speculating. I don't know if it's true or not, but it, that I mean, makes total I mean, sense. It wouldn't though. have sounded great when he was being crucified. Yeah, yeah. It was out of, uh, yeah, a crucifixion Eloi, is, Eloi, is suff Levi, suffocates you. Suffoc it's not the tor it's the torture, yeah, but its goal is to suffocate you. Right. 
And so he would have to muster up. He would have to like push up on that giblet and like pull his hands up on the nails. Crying out. Yeah, crying out and singing. Wow. Oh, man. Okay. I'm never saying the Psalms again. Okay. That's, uh, okay. Uh, uh, Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. So then we have the second reading. Is the second reading always from one of St. Paul's letters? Um, Well, usually. It's from the letters of John, too. Oh, John can be in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see. Philemon. That's St. Paul's letters. Yeah. Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews. Some would speculate St. Paul's letters. I would say yes. Yeah. Um, Peter. Do we get his letters? Oh, Peter. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, but so it's coming from not not the gospel, not the Old Testament. The second reading is never from the Old Testament. No. Never. Uh-uh. The second reading is never from one of the four Gospels. Right. So it's always from post, from books 5 it's not through Acts 27. Or, it's not Acts or Book of Revelation. The second reading can be from Acts, no? Really? Uh, I thought that. Not. I don't think no, so. maybe not. I think, I think the second reading is just like an epistle, like a letter of oh. some sort. Yeah, letters of the church. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. All right, so then we have, the sec- so we have the second reading. Yeah. Which can be read by the same person who did the first reading, or the or a different person. But same thing though. At the end of the second reading, we say the the lector says the word of the Lord, and we respond, "Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God." Right? It's beautiful. Okay. Then something changes. There's a there's a definite shift, um, especially a shift in posture, which is we go from what Kyle was talking about from sitting, we go to standing. Kyle, why? Hmm. I think partially because receiving the gospel, like there's a there's a respect that comes with standing as well. So like when the when the uh, when the priest enters the building, like everybody stands at the entrance, right? Um, when when a king or queen comes into the the room, Ooh. everybody stands. Or like you know when a woman enters the room, all of the men should stand and like yeah. you know just respect uh-huh. for her. Uh-huh. Uh, so the same thing with the gospel. For one, like when when the gospel's read, we stand out of respect. Um, and I think two, there's um, there's an element which like so the deacon is the one ideally that like reads the gospel, right? And of the people in the sanctuary, the deacon most represents the church, Holy Mother Church. Um, except it's some old dude, so it's not really Holy Mother, you know. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> hard to see that, but the church proclaiming the gospel. So the church's role specifically is to proclaim the gospel to the people. So we're standing kind of in solidarity with him, knowing that it's our our task as we're receiving this to then also proclaim it. Yes. Okay. It's We stand, also I think the, the line from the Dei Verbum in the Second Vatican Council says, when the gospel is proclaimed, Jesus is their presence. He's speaking. So, mm. Yeah, he's speaking. So uh, Bishop Muggenberg in his little document on the, on the Mass called The Meaning of the Mass, a study got prepared by Bishop Daniel Muggenberg, Diocese of Reno, 911, Reno 911. Uh, <laughs> And he's, he talks about, like, the Holy Spirit intensifies this moment because the Holy Spirit has given life to the Word, the, the Scriptures, because it is the very breathed Word of God. It's Jesus' Word. So when Jesus is there, it's like the, the, the church is singing this Alleluia, this ancient hymn, uh, as the gospel is being processed uh, to be proclaimed. So sometimes right before the gospel, most of the year we sing Alleluia. But then sometimes we don't say Alleluia. Sometimes we praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. 
Vegas, mm. for, that, for example. Is that what Ow. you wanted? Um, yeah, why? What's the difference there? The, the, well, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Bishop is it just Mugger- the priest's choice, priest choice for that particular Sunday? What? No, that was done in the season of Lent. Oh. Because there's no Alleluia. It, opposite in the Byzantine Divine Liturgy, on Fridays during um, the Penitential Psalms, there's 50 Alleluia sung. Wow. During the season of Lent. Oh. And so it's... Take uh, up the slack. Sounds terrorous. <laughs> but we, we don't sing Alleluia because Alleluia, as Bishop Muggenberg says, is this ancient hymn of the church announcing the arrival of the Lord, the resurrection. There's this so during Lent, we do not say Alleluia. No. Okay, cool. cool. Just so you know, you were today old when you found that out? <laughs> I knew that. I'm just, oh. I'm just you know, I'm trying to keep the show moving. Oh, really? Okay, then the gospel is proclaimed. If there's a deacon present, the deacon should do it. Um, if the deacon, if there's not a deacon, or the deacon cannot do it for some reason, then the priest, then a priest would do it. Okay, then afterwards, everyone sits down. Yeah? So we have the uh, the first reading, psalm, second reading, gospel, everyone's seated, and then we come to the homily. What is the purpose? Two, wait, two, two little side notes. Yeah? One is the signing of the mind. Oh, we did not oh. talk about that. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so the deacon says, the Lord be with you. And the people say, and with your spirit, a reading. a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory okay, to you. Okay, what is that? Lord. Yeah, so let's, yeah, we're backing up a little bit. So so the pre, the people make a sign, like a little sign of the cross on their forehead, yep. on their lips, uh-huh. and on their heart. Yep. What are we doing there? Uh, well, you know, when you were baptized, you were baptized and you're anointed on your on the top of your head. Yep. You're anointed with your lips to proclaim the word of God. And you're anointed on your chest as well as a little baby. So there's a, um, I don't want to say, like a recapitulation of the, that yeah. sacrament. Yep. That This is what you were supposed to do at your baptism. That the word of God is to be in your mind, on your lips, and on your heart. To, as the deacon says, to worthily proclaim this holy gospel. And as the individual, it's supposed to, we're, the gospel is supposed to take over our mind and our thinking and our choosing, our choosing, our choosing. It's to form our intellect, the word of God is, especially the gospel, the life of Jesus. And then it's supposed to be on our lips that this is then what we speak. We, as we speak things, we speak divine life to other people and not harshness or slander or revenge. And then what's to be in our heart? What is that like? Um, was that St. Ignatius of Antioch? They said when he when the lion ripped his heart open, the name of Jesus was written in gold in it. Yeah. Oh, my uh, goodness. Yeah. yeah uh, it, it's one of those legends, but it's also beautiful. It's probably true that there is the name of Jesus. Where? Down in his heart. Where? Oh <laughs> down in goodness. his heart. I got that wonderful name of the blessed Lord Jesus. We're down in the depths of my heart. Where? Where? <laughs> um, one thing I think people don't get to don't know is that um, when the deacon, before the deacon proclaims the gospel, he receives a blessing from the priest. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of people, but nobody gets to hear what, what these words are. So, so the priest goes in front, the deacon goes in front of the priest and says... Uh, what does he say? Your blessing, Father. Father, your blessing. Sure. And then the priest says this. Don't mess it up. Then the priest gives the deacon a blessing. May the Lord be in your heart and on your lips that you may proclaim his gospel worthily and well in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the priest gives the deacon a blessing. I can count the amount of times I've done that. What do you mean? Because I don't have deacons. Oh, you don't have a deacon. Yeah, you took them all. You ran them off. <laughs> Let's be clear. 
You said, uh, I said, You're in mom. order to be here, you can't have an AARP card. Your mom. <laughs> your mom ran them off. Um, so when they sit down to hear the the um, the homily, and there's there's a couple things going on. One, Father Brian's putting his congregation to sleep. Two. In the homily? Yeah, that's what it says. It says right here. It says, Bishop Muggenberg wrote in here, the homily is then proclaimed, is preached after the gospel, of which Father Brian O'Brien is notoriously putting people to sleep. This is he so, preaches. He preaches. This is so funny. So I have this little book called The Mass Explained, Sister Maria Grace Deteno, uh, and, and one of the, she writes these little commentaries. She says, admittedly, preachers differ in their gifts, and people differ in their tastes. So not all homilies will be to our liking. (laughs) She says, it's good to say a prayer to the Holy Spirit as you sit down for the homily. Pray for the homilist and also that you may be open to what God wants to say to you at that moment. Uh Yeah, and that's true. And it's true. Among priests and deacons, there are different different abilities. Um, People react differently. Yeah. What's Um, your worst homily you've ever given? Like it went sour or bad. Tell me. Because I got two. One, you I know. tell me one, and I'll think of one. Okay, so um, worst homily. Yeah, oh. Tony Smith tells me that my worst homily was the last Christmas homily I ever gave uh, at St. John. She goes, "I drove back up here expecting a really great homily, and it stunk." I mean, were you there? Was it awful? Go ahead and say. <laughs> what was you it? Can't say. It. <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> what was, was it? What do you think? Was it laugh was like laughing? Off? Like laughing? Oh, you were at serving. Him? You were served the last Christmas mass at St. John when I was a priest. What was it about? Jackson Why was, was it so bad? I don't know. But Tony just reminds me. She's like, it is the worst homily you've ever given. Like too long? I don't know what it was. Jackson was sitting over here our, in our studio audience, and he says, "Yeah, it was like." Why was it so bad? I I don't know. You'd have oh. to ask her. The other one. The other one was at Grand Lake when I was a deacon. And you weren't there. It was the you know the seminarian days, <laughs> oh, and no. I had this. I have this like I was already a priest. I have this like eight minute, maybe ten and a half minute homily written, and I'm into it. I'm going, and all of a sudden something goes, and I look oh, over to the right, no. and there's a thing that's spraying fresh air spray into the church. I was like, what? <laughs> Because it, was, it wasn't there the day before. Oh, no. And they, somebody installed it that night because of something like they cleaned it and it was like this uh-huh. terrible odor. What well, sprays? And then I get distracted. Uh oh. So I, got, I like get back into my groove. You know, I'm a young preacher here. And then I go to make a point and I extend my right hand and there's a light bar hanging out of the wall. And I judo chop it and it starts <laughs> shaking. And I was like, ah. And I reach up to grab it. And it, the, the metal that's got the bulb in it is so hot, it burns my fingertips. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> I got these like instantaneous blisters on the tips of my fingers trying to stop this thing from moving. And it went on and on. And the best part about it is my ex-girlfriend from high school's parents were in the back of mass and they're like the only time they've ever seen me preach or celebrate at mass and they were just afterwards they're like carrie that was something and i was like i'm I'm so glad you stopped dating our daughter wow (laughs) she dodged a bullet with you (laughs) thanks dunham okay (laughs) wow ex-girlfriend just got a shout out okay um, is a homily always required? 
it is on Holy Days of Obligation Sundays, and it is recommended on other days. Yes, exactly. Mm. I try to I preach homily every oh, day. Oh, sorry. Yep. Um, it's right here, number 17 in the general yes, instruction. that is of the correct. Missile that is correct. Okay, so the homily is done. Um, then uh, the priest goes and like and sits down. So there's actually two more parts. Oh, two to the liturgy of the word. We have a minute and twenty three seconds. Get after it. We 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 all stand together and uh-huh. we profess the creed, the yeah. Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed. We can also do the Apostles' Creed, but nobody ever does. Or it or it's the Arius. You were wrong. <laughs> yes. So we <laughs> we profess. Heretics, you're wrong. We profess our faith. In the creed, and then we go after the creed. We go into what we call the universal prayer, or the prayers of the faithful, or our intentions. Yep, yep. And we lift up whatever those may be to the Lord, uh, the needs of the church for for the salvation of the world, for any burdens for those who have died. We lift all those uh-huh, up uh-huh. to the Lord, Senor Ten Piedad. Um, yeah, how many? That's the liturgy. That's the liturgy of the word. That's the liturgy of the word. Wow! And then everybody sits down, and then and then we sit down, and then the gifts are brought forward with a collection. But that's a whole different part of the mass. Okay. So we've done preparing. We've done the introductory rites. We've talked about the liturgy of the word. Amen. And then next time we'll get into. The Liturgy of the Eucharist. And if you need something, Behold the Mystery by Mark Hart or yeah, download Bishop Dan Muggenberg's little document yep. here. Or I've been using the Mass Explained. Father Mike uh, from Schmitz. Pauline, from Pauline yeah. Books. Father Matt uh, Schmitz got that is really The Mass Explained. It's a little green before. cover. It's it's really quite good. It's very thin, and I think you would like it. Okay. Wrap it up, O'Brien. Let us know how you're doing. God bless. God bless you. Peace. Peace, Peace. to you and yours.